Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, open it to Nehemiah chapter 2. If you need the scriptures, raise your hand and, and they can get you one. It's, it's been a few weeks since we've been in the book. Uh, Michael did a great job uh, the last couple of weeks. Thankful for him. He's given us insight and a lot of understanding about the Kardashians and Jack in the Box tacos. Things that we're very grateful for. Uh, just joking, he did a great job in uh, Hosea and sharing with us some really neat things. In review, just to get us caught up to where we are here, because we're going to be looking in chapter 2, starting at verse 11. The nation of Israel is on a road of being, on a road to recovery. They had been taken captive by the Babylonians. That time is now kind of passing where they're starting to find their way back to the city, but the city is in ruins. The walls are broken down, the gates are burned, and at that time, especially a city that didn't have walls was open for continued just uh, abuse. People would come in, they would raid them, they would rob from them, they could they wouldn't find protection. It's like living and you have no locks on your door. It's not a good situation. And so Nehemiah's brother was in Jerusalem and he comes back to Babylon and he talks to Nehemiah and he asks his brother, how was it in Jerusalem? His brother says, it wasn't good. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned with fire and it disturbs Nehemiah greatly. One of the things that we saw is that God uses people who care. And we need to understand that God uses people to make a difference. That it's not just God up in heaven waving his hand and making things happen, but what he does is uses people to make a difference. And Nehemiah cared enough to step into a difficult situation. We saw in chapter 1 that as he was moved, it was forcing him to enter into a time that was going to be difficult for him. And we spoke about how important it is for us not to shy away from difficulties just because we want things easy. If you want to see change, you have to step into difficult situations. It's just how it is. If you want nothing to happen, do nothing, and you're guaranteed results. But if you want to see a change, you have to be willing to step into those times where there is going to be hardship. It's going to cost of your time, your energy, your resources to make a difference. And Nehemiah did. And then we also saw in chapter 2 how we have to move past our fears, how fear paralyzes us. Fear makes our world smaller. It keeps us from doing things because we're afraid. And it's important that we don't allow fear to hold us captive, but we're able to move past those things that we would normally be afraid of, overcome those fear, and live the life that not only God would have, but life should be an adventure. And if you play it safe, you won't enjoy that adventure. It's like the person who goes to Magic Mountain but doesn't like roller coasters. Come on. 
get on. No, I'm going to throw up. Yeah, but it'll be fun until you do. (laughs) To experience that adventure, you need to get past the fear. To make a difference, you need to get past the fear, the discomfort, and enter in to a place that is going to put pressure on you. We don't like pressure. And when you come to church, you don't want someone telling you you should step into pressure. You, you want me telling you, I don't know what you want me telling you, you know, life is good, butterflies, hummingbirds, be happy. I, I don't know what you want me to tell you, but I start telling you, if you really want to see God at work in your life, then you need to get past the fear. You need to step into the pressure. You need to move forward into these ways that are going to cost something of you. And this book of Nehemiah is about a man who did that. A man who made a difference because he wasn't hindered by his fear and he wasn't worried about the hardship or pressure. And he made the difference. And so in chapter 2, verse 11, we pick up Nehemiah now goes to the city. He he got permission from Artaxerxes. He got materials. He got an escort. And in verse 11, he says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and the gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally I turned back and returned through the valley gate, The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, official of Geshem the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Do you know what it's like to vision, envision something that's not yet there? Maybe you're an artist. I'm not, but maybe you are. And you see a canvas, and in this canvas, you you know the picture that you want to paint. Maybe it's the house and the trees. That's as far as I go, you know, and it's this kind of landscape. And, And even though the page is blank, in your mind, you're seeing what you're going to do. Or or maybe you're in construction, 
and you're going to build a room addition. And so you're standing there in your backyard and you're kind of seeing how far the room is going to come out and you're envisioning inside where the walls are going to go, where you're going to put the water heater, where the windows are going to go, all those things. And in your mind, you have this picture of what's going to take place. Or even sculpture, that's the one that blows my mind. Someone sees a rock and in it they have this idea of what it's going to look like. How do you know where to start with something like that? That's amazing. Mine would change with every chisel chip. Okay, I guess that's not the nose, you know. I gotta, okay, I'm gonna make a dog now, you know. I mean, it would just, but they have this ability to see and then create what's taking place in their mind. And we see that happening with Nehemiah here as he gets to the city of Jerusalem. For three days he's there and he doesn't tell anyone why he's there. And then at night he goes, just with a few people, and he's the only one on a horse. And as he starts going through the city, seeing the walls that are broken down, the gates that are burned, he sees something else. He sees the walls rebuilt. He sees the gates built back up. He sees the city whole. And you see, for him to impart this vision to others, He has to first see it himself. To get others to be a part of what he's doing, he needs to own it himself. The best way to get people to believe something is to believe it yourself. And that's true in life, even in sales. If you're selling a product and you believe in it, you're going to have a lot more incentive to sell it because you believe in it. I've used this. It's great stuff. And so Nehemiah sees what isn't yet there. He sees the walls rebuilt. He sees the nation coming out of a place of shame and being more established. But the vision starts with him. It starts in his own heart. It starts in how he sees his life and the lives of these people And it always begins with us. We want others to be a part of it, but if you're not there yourself, you can't really bring others along. Now, that's true of our faith. We we want our children to grow up in faith. But maybe we're not really there. We don't own it. And so there's struggles for them to embrace and capture it. We want people who we work with to to know and understand what we are, but it's not always real to us. And so it starts to lose its momentum and its grasp because it's not really there for us. But when it is, it makes a difference. And his vision for what can be is stronger than the work that is before him. In other words, he sees the broken down walls, but his vision of what it could be is greater than the walls that are broken down. He understands what needs to take place. And what he's doing as he's surveying this is he's kind of counting the cost. Jesus spoke about that in Luke chapter 14. Jesus gave that parable where he said, 
No one builds a tower unless they first count the cost. They see what materials they're going to need, and then they start building it. Otherwise, they're going to get halfway through. They're not going to be able to complete it, and people are going to, ha, you couldn't finish what you started. And, and no one goes to war until they first survey the opposing army. And if they're greater than them, then they send out a delegation to make peace because they're going to wipe us out, so we don't want to go to war against them. They want to know what's happening. They count the cost. And that's what Nehemiah is doing here is he's counting the cost of what it's going to take to rebuild this city. And he sees and he understands that I am here to help this get through to completion. I want to see this through. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. This is what matters to me. I'm embracing it and I'm all in. And I wonder... Are we all in with the life that God has for us? Whatever that life might be, I'm not here to tell you what your life should be. But I know that God has a life and a purpose for all of us. Are you in? Or are you just putting your toe in the water? That's eh, a little, I don't know. And there again, if it's going to be hard on me, I don't want to be in. I'm afraid, so I'm not going to step into that. And then we don't see the change. We're not a part of the victory. We're not a part of what takes place. Our lives don't get built up. They stagnate. They start to crumble because we don't count the cost. And I think we all suffer in that way to some degree. We all have times, at least I do, when I look at my life and I say, you know what? I'm really not giving all that I should to God. I I'm holding back. I I've grown a little bit cold in my devotion to him. I'm, I'm becoming a little bit distracted maybe in the things that I'm doing. And until we own it, until we embrace it, we're really not going to make the difference that we want to make. I mean, how did the early church change the world in such a short time? They believed the message. They believed that Jesus was alive. They committed to it. And because they were committed to it, they gave themselves to it. They believed it and others believed it because they did. And that's the challenge for us, to, to put our lives into this place where we believe, we see what God wants to do in our lives, and that's what we move forward to. That's what we give ourselves to. And what Nehemiah does is, is masterful, because as he goes and surveys what's taking place, and he sees the need that's there, and he starts understanding what it's going to take for him to be involved, to see this through to completion... He already knows that the king has given him resources. He has supplies that are going to help them move forward. And so then he goes to the people and he says, come on, let's do this. Let's build this wall. Let's stop being a reproach. Let's stop allowing people to just come in and invade us and take advantage of us. Let's do this. The king has given us favor. God has given us favor and the king has given us supplies. Are you with me? It's a brave heart moment. I can see Nehemiah blue face and all, you know. He's just, 
We can do this. And he gives them courage. He gives them his vision. He gives them what's necessary for them to take hold of this and embrace it themselves. And that's exactly what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's shown up a bunch of times to a bunch of people. Everyone is really impressed, okay? Because you would be, if someone was dead and they're alive, you would be impressed. And so he shows up and then he tells his disciples, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Now go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything that I've told you. And listen, I'm with you to the very end. See, what Jesus does is he says, I've got everything that is necessary. And then he tells them to go. Didn't you ever wonder how weird that is? I have all power and authority, now you go. I'd be, you know, the one raising my hand. Actually, I wouldn't. I'd probably be freaked out because he's alive still. You know, I'd be like, but someone should ask, Jesus, are you going to go with us? Why don't you go? You've got all power. You've got all the authority. And he says, no, you go, but I'm with you. I will give you what is necessary. Here is my vision. Here is my power. Do it. And he pushes us into this place of discomfort, fear, but he gives us a vision and gives us the ability to do it. Nehemiah says, the walls can be built. God has given us favor. The king has given us supplies. Let's do this thing. Jesus has said, I have the vision to make disciples of all nations. I'm with you. Let's do this. And so there's a world that needs rebuilding that we get to be involved with. And it involves so many areas. So many things that we can work in. We're going to Haiti next month to help do work there in a country that is just torn and devastated. This afternoon, they're showing the film Flesh, bought and sold in America to deal with human trafficking, slave here in our own backyard. There are so many areas where we can step into and be a part of rebuilding the kingdom of God. And Jesus is with us. He's got the supplies we need the vision is there. All it takes now is people who will step in and say, okay, I'm in. I'll do this. I'll be a part of this. I want this. It's important to recognize that as this takes place, it isn't very long before we see Sambalat and Tobiah start opposing. Because anything that we do that is going to be for God is going to encounter opposition. You just need to know that. You're going to have opposition from maybe friends, maybe family, maybe work, maybe your own self and the things that you struggle with in your mind, maybe your own uh, habits that you've been involved with for years. There's going to be opposition telling you, you can't do this, stop. What are you trying to do, rebel against the king? Who do you think you are to make a difference in the world? Really, you think you can do something? 
There's going to be a lot of things that are going to oppose you. What would happen if I, I really commit my life to God and see what God wants to do in my life? Oh, stop it. You're going to be a fanatic. You don't want to be one of those. And we don't want to be one of those. I know what those are, and I don't want to be one of those either. You know, I don't want, to, I don't want the big hair or the purple hair, and, and I, I don't want to be fanatical. And so what am I going to do? Am I going to shrink back? No, I don't want to do that. But maybe there is something good that can take place. Maybe I can be involved in a way that really makes a difference to me, to my family, to my community. There's going to be opposition. Just be aware of it. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Don't be afraid of the opposition. Go, make disciples of all nations, and I'm with you. There's going to be the opposition, but it's okay. Don't shrink back. Don't be afraid. Don't hesitate. Move forward. In chapter 3, we see how this work continues. In verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the tower of the hundred which they dedicated and as far as the tower of Hanel. What I love about this is we see that the spiritual leaders of this community got their hands dirty, that they got involved. They weren't in their ivory towers telling people, Go do the work, my son. No, they went and picked up the rocks and they started building the wall. And you see, if we are going to move forward, it's got to be by example. Words mean so little nowadays. It's easy to talk, but once you start acting, it really solidifies what you want, what you believe, what you're about. And so here are the priests, the spiritual leaders They're the first ones who start this work. They get involved. They're the example. That's what we're supposed to be. Examples to those around us of what work is supposed to be done, how we're supposed to live. And I know I keep saying what work has to be done, and you might be thinking, what? What work? What work? What work needs to be done? Well, those are things that you need to step into and find out how your life is going to move forward. Paul said... In Philippians 4.9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Paul was an example. He said, the things that I've done, I want you to do. The things that you learned, that means Paul was teaching them, teaching them about who God is, about God's love for them, teaching them about God's love for others. They learned from him and he was able to teach them. The things that they received, which meant he gave to them. He took of himself and gave to them his time, his resources. It says the things that they heard from him. It means that he was in conversation with them. He dialogued with them. You know, I have learned more through people, especially those in leadership positions, by just talking to them about everyday matters, not Bible study, just listening to how they conduct their lives how faith shows up in their everyday life. In just conversation, I have learned so much from people. 
People are to hear from us and learn how to live a good life just by dialoguing with us, hearing those things from us. What they've seen him put into practice means he practiced what he preached. He, he didn't just talk to them, he actually showed them. The priests didn't just tell them to go build the wall, they actually started building the wall themselves. They took part in it. We need to take part in it. And then a great thing is it says they dedicated their work. I can't overemphasize how important it is to dedicate what we do. And the word dedicate means to set aside. It has a purpose. You guys, I just want to be honest with you. There are a lot of times when I can do what I do without it being dedicated. I have been following Jesus for 30 years plus. And I know how to go through motions. I know how to to play a game. I know how to look a certain way, but my heart be somewhere else. And you probably do too. And it's so important that I take what I do and I say, God, this is not just doing things. I'm not just going to study or, or give a talk. I want this talk to be set aside for you. And if I don't keep coming da- back to that place, what will happen is my heart will become distant from the heart of God and I will go through motions, but I will not be involved. I will not own it. It will not have a sh- shape on my life. And you see, what we dedicate to God today will last tomorrow. But if we don't make what we are doing now set for God, it will fade, it will pass, it will crumble. Jesus said that all our works will be tested. Paul said they'll all go through the fire. And whatever is done in that right spirit will last. So much of what we do crumbles because it's not dedicated. I know in my life and other people I've known, pastors who know the scriptures, who've been involved with ministry for years, and then get comfortable in a life of sin. It happens like that. It just happens like that. Why? Because I'm not dedicating it to God. I'm just going through the motions. And our lives can do that so easily. One day we can be just set on fire, pointed in the right direction, and the next day it starts to wane. And we forget that we need to dedicate it to God. God, help us to dedicate what we do for him so that it doesn't become meaningless. And the priests here take that initiative. They're not only building, using their hands, they're dedicating it to God, saying, make this last. This is connected to you. And we need to do the same thing. In our lives, with our family, with the things that we do, needs to be dedicated to the Lord. And then we see that Nehemiah does something great. 
he involves everyone. You see, if, if you have a vision and you don't share it, if it's only as big as you, you will never see it succeed. It'll never grow past you and your abilities. It will just stay into that small frame. And this is something that we have to learn. I've had to learn this. You know, for, gosh, I don't know how many years I led music, did worship. It was who I was for, gosh, 14 plus years. And so Genesis starts, and I've got lots of thoughts on music. I have lots of ideas how things could be done, how things should be done. And here's an opportunity for my vision to to move forward without just me. See, I don't want to be the one-man show. I'm not going to be up here, you know, with the guitar and tambourine on my knees, you know, playing, okay, now here I go. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this script, and I'm going to run back to the soundboard here. I want to tweak a little more reverb in my voice so I sound a little more authoritative. That would be sad. You're saying, yes, it would. It would be funny, but it would be sad. Instead, Danny is doing a great job. Even as Ted shared, you know, we're thankful that he's here. Well, if I didn't give Danny room, I said, well, Danny, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing this Sunday because, you know. <laughs> Thanks. Just watch me, okay? Uh, the vision would stop. It wouldn't grow. And Danny's taken further than I can. And the same thing in so many areas here at Genesis. I don't want to be the person who does everything. This is who we are. You know, we're in Haiti, not because I had a a vision and a call to Haiti. Denise did. She brought me along. She got me the bands that have the anti-insect mosquito stuff and everything. Said, sir, you have no reason not to go. And so the vision starts to spread, and and we see that Nehemiah includes all these other people. In chapter 3, I'm not going to go through all the the verses here, but in verse 3, we see that the fish gate was rebuilt by certain people. In verse 6, we see that the Jeshanan, or the old gate, was repaired by these other people with hard names. And then we see, going on down in verse 15, that the fountain gate, or the 14, the dung gate, let's not forget the dung gate, it was repaired by families, and then the fountain gate was repaired by families, and then verse 17, next to them, other people were rebuilding, and we start seeing that all these people were a part of this building. Everyone had opportunity, and we see that through this, that they all started building what was in their backyard. The people built what was their in their own space, in their own yard to build. And when they each did that, the whole wall was built. So reminiscent of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that together we make up the body of Christ, that we're each participants, we each have a role to play, and together we're joined together that we produce Something good, the body of Christ. Well, Nehemiah took all these people, build what you see, build what's in your yard, build that up, 
and then the wall was built. Now, what is interesting to me is these people have been living there for years, looking out the back door at a wall that's been broken down. All of a sudden, they get this bird to build it. You know what? I can't imagine the wife going out there one day saying, you know, Sam, can't you build that wall? Look at it. It's been broken down for so long. Why don't you build it? Well, what good is if I build it? If they don't build theirs, we're just going to have one wall and everyone can still come around it. That's stupid. But Nehemiah gave them the vision to unify, and if they all did their part, they would actually, together, do more than they could do by themselves. That together, they would actually be able to rebuild the entire city. This is such a lesson for us. I can't tell you how important you are if Genesis is your home. I I can't relay to you how important it is to have you be a part of what is taking place here. You bring to our community what is needed. If you will just build in your yard the things that are there in front of you, we will benefit from it. You have no idea how much your presence means to people. Maybe it's a brother, a sister, a friend. They come here to Genesis one morning, but you're not here. And they feel like, oh, no one's here that I know. If Joey was here, I'd feel better. But Joey's not here, and so they don't come back. They don't get connected. They don't get involved. They don't get to meet people. They don't hear the scriptures or start growing in their faith. Why? Because you weren't here. I'm not saying this to put guilt on you. I'm not saying this to put pressure on you. I'm here to tell you you're important. I'm here to say you're needed. I'm here to say that there is a wall that if you don't build it, it's going to be broken down in our community, in the body of Christ, more importantly. That if you don't show up, that it hurts us. And I don't mean just show up here to church on Sunday. I mean, if your life doesn't show up in the things that God has, then it hurts us all. It's that portion of the wall that, yeah, the wall's all built except for Joey's house. Where's Joey? I don't know. He didn't come home. He's not here. I think he's out somewhere else. So everywhere is built but this one wall, and that's the weakest link, and that's the place that needs the most help. And what's great about this is in verse 8 of chapter 3, As we see all these people building near their houses, we see in verse 8, Uziel, son of this guy, <laughs> who was one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repair next to that. Here you've got a goldsmith or a jewelry maker, and here you have a perfume maker next to each other. 
I just think that's a trip. I wonder what that conversation was like. You know, the goldsmith. Maybe he smelt bad. You know, yeah, you work a lot with that hammer, don't you? Yeah. You know, have you ever tried perfume? It really makes a difference. You know, here, give him a squirt. Use a little paper. Try this. Maybe you'll like that. I mean, two different people, completely different people working next to each other. Verse 9, it says, this other guy, son of her, you notice I'll say the names I can mention, uh, ruler of a half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section, adjoining this, Jedediah, son of this other guy, made repairs opposite his house, and this other guy, son of another person, made repairs next to him, and it goes on, and oh, let's get to the ones where I want to. Verse 12, after these people, ruler of half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. That's just for you, Mike Torres. <laughs> Even his daughters were involved. Everyone had a part to play. The goldsmith, the perfume maker, all these people with weird names, and the guy's daughter. It all became theirs. It wasn't just Nehemiah anymore. And it wasn't just the priests. Everyone took this as their own. And you see, I would fail, or I am failing, if I don't relay to you the importance that this is our work, that this isn't about me this isn't about the leadership. As I said from the beginning, we, we don't go to church. We are the church. If I didn't relate to you that you have a role to play in this community and more importantly, in the community of Christ in the world. And without your participation, we all suffer. How am I supposed to participate? What am I supposed to do? You know what? Start in your yard. Start building in your own home. Start right where you're at. And maybe as you start there, you'll find that you can help the goldsmith out a little bit or the perfume maker. I can't imagine the perfume maker being real good at construction, but maybe he was. He, you know, he left Macy's, came out to the backyard, and he started building. He goes, how do I do this? And then, he goes, here, let me show you. You know, take this block. Start in your yard. And then connect to the yard next to you, the people next to you, your family, your friends, here in the community. It was because of this community that we've raised the money that we have that we're going to be able to give to Haiti. Over $3,000, I forget how much it is, 4000 or something, that we're going to be able to take to Haiti. We did that together. We took care of those kids at Christmas time. We're, we're still trying to care for the people in our community and find different ways to do that. I don't want five people doing it over and over and over and over again. Just build what's in your yard, what, what's put on your heart. 
the Stand Against Traffic movie that we're going to be a part of today. Tony and Danny, part of our community, have embraced that and kind of taken it off as their own. I don't know if Tony or Danny called some of you to just tell you about the times. It's something that's on their heart. What's on your heart? And if there's nothing on your heart, there's no thing that you can see, this is what I really want to be involved in. This is how I want to live my life. This is how I want to build my life. Ask God. Seek God. Because if you ask, he'll answer. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. But don't be afraid to be engaged, to be involved. Don't be afraid to take that step and say, you know what? I want to live this life. I don't know how, but I want to. I'm a misfit. You've come to the right place. How do I do it? We'll grope our way there together and find how God wants to build us each up to build the wall that is in our yard, to build our community, and to build the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I want to dedicate this morning what I do for you. I want it to be genuine, God. I don't want to just be talk. I I want to be an example. I, I want to have my actions connected to my heart to live for you, to follow after you, to to build up your kingdom, to build the things that I am able to, to be able to focus on these things and keep them set apart for you. And I hope that this morning, as I've been talking about this man, Nehemiah, who did just an amazing thing, I hope it inspired and encouraged and ignited the imaginations of those who are here this morning that that canvas that might be blank is now starting to be filled with ideas and thoughts, that that piece of rock that looks like nothing is starting to be chiseled away and resemble something, that these lives that are broken down, that are in disarray, that have issues will not be ignored, but we will step into the difficult conversations. We will embrace the correction and we will start to build a life that is strong and able to withstand the attacks that are around us. And Lord, for those who are here whose lives are in that broken and just burned places, Father, I pray that we would come alongside them and we would build next to them that we would be an example, that they would see us, that they would be able to learn from us, that they would be able to receive from us, that they would hear from us and see the things that need to be done and and be able to embrace some of those things for their own. 
knit our hearts together. I pray you would make us a community that serves together, that lives together to serve you, that we would be real, and that we would make a difference in the world around us. Thank you, God, for this time. I pray you would encourage us through your words, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.